1993, I, I found myself standing in the midst of what we now call a trash dump community. And I wasn't planning to be there. I was uh, a bit surprised by the event. I was in uh, Mexico doing some missions work. I was a sophomore in college. I was 20 years old. Um, the gal who I ended up marrying was with me. We were engaged at the time and, and we're married now. And uh, we'd been working in an orphanage in a, a city in Mexico. And at the end of the day of working, uh, we had taken a lot of the debris from the construction and put it in a truck and drove out to this dump and we're unloading all of the debris. And as we're doing that, I suddenly notice uh, local people uh, with us, like picking through the things that we were pulling out of the truck. And I looked at the, the uh, missionary that we were there with, and I just asked him, I said, where'd they come from? And he said, well, they live here. Yeah, like, where do they live? And he goes, no, they live in the dump. And he started pointing at different places, uh, different uh, spots where they had taken debris and, you know, pallets and pieces of wood and plastic and just made like kind of little makeshift homes and inside uh, the dump. And I was surprised by all of it and really unable to respond to it. The people were literally living in the midst of trash and their, their homes were constructed from the refuse that didn't matter to anyone else. Images like that mark us in life, and it's an image that marked me. I was 20 at the time, and uh, it was two decades later before I was ever able really to, to act on it in a meaningful uh, kind of way. And those are images that are not easily forgotten because they're images that, that give us a lens by which we understand the need for hope. I've had that for 25 years now, this, that first image in my mind where I, I really began to understand I guess in part, this idea that where my life was optimistic, where my life was hopeful, where I could look forward and plan for the next school year and planning for an upcoming wedding at that point in my life and, and all of these kinds of things, that that idea of hope would not be present for certain people. And it became a new lens for me. We all have moments when hope is fleeting, when circumstances steal away our hope. Maybe it's an unexpected turn and it, and it robs us of optimism. An unexpected thing happens and it just comes out of nowhere and suddenly what looked so optimistic, what looked so hopeful suddenly doesn't feel that way. And we're left wondering how to cope then with the future. I want to start today, as we're finishing up this series, I want to start today by talking about categories of people, okay? Um, so when I was in high school, um, and that's, that's been a while, that's, that's been about 27, 28, 29 years ago, right in, right in that ballpark. Uh, when I was in high school, we had categories for people. They're stereotypes is what they were. And at that time, the stereotypes, the categories went something like this. There are people that we perceived as preps. There were people who were nerds. There were people who were jocks. There were people who were stoners. Ring a bell for anybody else? Categories still exist. Most categories, most stereotypes diminish people. Forcing people into a category that maybe they don't even belong in but, or, or, or doesn't really explain the fullness of who they are, but they're seen in that kind of way. And Jesus was really concerned uh, with people 
And he was really concerned about um, the way people were viewed. And he, he didn't diminish them. And I think oftentimes our categories do. I want to talk about a different set of categories here as we're starting, though. The kind of categories that might be helpful just simply to perception. Okay? The categories that we're going to use for a few moments here are the categories Christian, reached, and unreached. And I'll explain those here uh, in just a moment. About eight or ten years ago, um, I was officiating a high school football game. And I did that for, for quite a long time, probably I think about 13, 14 years I, I did that. And I had worked um, with a group of people um, on Friday night high school football. Usually that crew works together. And uh, I think a lot of you have been to Friday night football games. And that group of officials tend to work together every week. And so I had my own crew. Um, I was the guy called the white hat, the head referee. So now if you don't know anything about football, now when you turn on a football game and you look at all the officials, they all have black hats except for one. It's the white hat, the referee. And that's the person that coordinates everything and is in charge on the field. And so I was, I was the white hat of my crew at the time. And we showed up at this football game on a Friday night. And one of the guys on my crew who I absolutely loved this guy, um, he went up to the coach on his sideline before the game and said, hey, I just want you to know that our white hat tonight, he's a pastor. And what he was doing was he was trying to get this guy to be nicer to us by, by you know, getting him concerned about what he would say, showing his anger, things like this. And so um, he didn't tell me this at first. And so the coach right before the game waves me over. And I come over there and he goes, hey, uh, so you, one of the other officials told me you're a pastor. And I said, yeah, I am. And uh, he said, well, um, so during the game, if I need to get to your, your attention, do I call you father? And I'm like, no, um, I'm not a priest. I'm a pastor, but you really, thank you. I mean, I appreciate you wanting to be respectful. And he goes, no, really, I'm happy to do that. Call you father. And I'm like, no, really, please don't. I'm not, I'm not a priest. You know, he's like, oh, okay. But what, what the official had done is it worked because this guy was pretty chill all evening. I mean, he was, he was really good. But during the game, I was thinking at one point, um, how funny it would be if he was angry trying to get my attention and he's yelling the word father to me out on the field, you know, trying to, trying to get my eyes. But see, those are categories. He had that category as a good category in his mind, and I appreciate that. He had that category as a category of respect in his mind. So we do this category thing. We, we do it um, all the time. And so here's our categories. Unreached. And this is all spoken from a Christian perspective. I understand that. Unreached. And, and maybe that's you. And the idea behind unreached is you just, you're not familiar with the message of Jesus. You're not familiar with what Christianity is all about. And, and there's no shame in that. It's just where you are in life right now. It's, uh, it's the category of if somebody were to say to you, tell me what God's all about. You'd go, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Okay. We have the category of reached, which the, the reached category is you're familiar with the message. You get it. You understand. You understand what it is. You're not committed to it, but you do know what it is. You've heard it. And you could kind of tell the basic story of what Christianity is. The category, the third category is this category called Christian. And this is the category that, you know, believing in Jesus and trying to live a, a life that reflects the ways of God and living that out on a day-by-day -day basis and, and believing and knowing that you're forgiven and those kinds of things. See, there's, there's that category as well. And everybody's at a different place in this. And we might think that that last category, the Christian category, sits as the best one. And that is partially true in terms of faith and partially not true. We think 
that, oh, if I'm a Christian, then I sit in this spot where um, I have full confidence in God and everything's okay and I can roll with anything in life. And the reality is that Christian category puts us in a place where we say, I believe I'm forgiven and I believe that when I die that I'm going to be with God. That's the basic kind of baseline for it. But just because somebody accepts the message of Jesus doesn't mean that everything in their life gets better. There's still struggles. There's still difficulties. And I think a lot of us in the room know what this feels like. You think you should be happier because you're a Christian, but you're not. You know you should be hopeful because God is great. And God is great. And you know you should be hopeful, but you're not. And you don't know how to resolve it. Our three-week sermon series is really leading to this idea of this word, hope. We get to these three three words that Paul gives us in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, and he uses these phrases, faith, love, and hope, often. And he uses them in pairs, and he uses them as a set of three, faith, love, and hope, three times. And we look at it, and we see these words, and these are like core words to the Christian faith. You know, faith, love, hope. And hope. And you're like, yeah, these are like the embedded Christian kind of words. And so the Apostle Paul uses them together in a really wonderful way. I'm going to read for you these three verses, and then you're, you're going to hear all of them in the New Testament together. These three times. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 3. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and the labor of love and the steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Work of faith, labor of love, steadfastness of hope. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And here's our last one. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So Paul uses them as a set of three, three times. He uses them in pairs a lot. And the question then that we need to be asking is this, is what is hope? We spent the last two weeks looking at faith. We say that faith is an active thing, right? Faith is not just something mentally that happens here, but it's something that's really active. It's engaged in life. It's, it's, it's pairing believing with action, and so it's a word, that's, that's, um, a word that has movement to it. It's involved. Last week, we looked at this idea of love as selfless service. It, it's a moving word. It's an active word. It's a word that involves people to people, right? But we get to this word hope, and it feels a little bit elusive. What is hope? So Romans chapter 5, verse 2. I'm going to read a couple more verses for you here. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope, okay? Here's 2 Corinthians 10, verse 15. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. The thing that I want us to get today, and we'll spend the rest of our time really unpacking this idea, is that hope is a destination. Hope is an outcome. 
It's, it's like going on a journey and arriving at a place. And if hope is a destination, what does it look like? What is it that it should feel like? When we get there, what should the experience actually be? Hope grows when a person has a reason to be hopeful. I want you to think about that. Hope exists and hope grows and hope abides and stays within our life when there is something that is causing it, when there's something that is bringing it about. Just because a person believes doesn't mean they feel hopeful. Just because I know God is there Just because I know that the possibilities exist doesn't mean that hope is something that is real in my life. Hope is the result of certain conditions of life being true. Conditions like ways of resolving these challenges that we have, ways of resolving the things that come up every day. Conditions like reasons to be optimistic about the future. And a lot of times when those reasons aren't there, Hope diminishes. Faith and love, our first two words in this series, faith, love, and hope. Faith and love can bring hope. When we know God through faith, I have a way of dealing with my failing. If my faith is alive and it's real and, and it's something that is active in my life and I understand basically what it is that God is doing, that God is forgiving me of my sin, and I get to carry that forgiveness to other people, when I have that, I can have hope. When I know God through faith, I have a confidence that I am not alone, that that I may be by myself, but I am not lonely in it, that God is there with me in it, I can have hope. When I experience love from God, I have an optimism that the God of the universe embraces me. That's a a mind-boggling thing. That this God who in so many ways should be so distant because he's so great, he knows me. And it gives us hope. When I love others and others love me, A community grows around me that enriches my life. That their impact on my life, their love and the love that I give them makes things better through that love. I have hope. I want you to listen again to those last two verses I read. Romans chapter 5 verse 2. Through him... We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Because of faith, because of forgiveness, because of what God has done, because of this new eternity before me, I have hope. Listen to this one again, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 15. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. That's Paul writing and saying, as you guys live out your faith and make a difference in people's lives and do things and are active in your faith, 
that area of influence for what God is wanting to do increases. And Paul says, and that's our hope. Do you see how hope happens because of other things? It's the result. We don't set out to be more hopeful. We set out to walk in faith. We set out to be loving. And when we walk in faith and we act in love and we receive those things from other people, hope grows. In the summer of 2016, um, I was in Manila, Philippines, and I worked with an organization uh, part-time called Trash Mountain Project. And what Trash Mountain Project does is works with people who live in trash dump communities. And that's something that God brought back into my life over 20 years later from that first experience I told you about at the beginning of the message. And God has allowed me to participate in something now that is trying to change the circumstances of people that pick trash for a living and live in the dumps. And it's, it's a very difficult existence for these very beautiful people. And so God has given me this chance to be a part of that and, and try to bring, help bring about some solutions to that. And so in 20, 2016, I was there visiting with a couple of the leaders that we work with, uh, that we do all of our ministry through these local leaders. And one of those leaders, um, his name is Jomar, and he's in a suburb of Manila known as San Mateo, St. Matthew. He's in a suburb of Manila, and there's this old dump there, and um, he's a pastor in the community, and I asked him this question. I said, tell me something about leading within your community that I probably do not know, something I don't understand. And here's what he said. When I work within the community sharing with them about God, people ask me, will your God feed me? you hear it? Looking for hope. The next day, I was in another suburb of Manila in a city called Tanza. And there we work with a gentleman by the name of Stanley. And so I asked Pastor Stanley the same question. Tell me something about leading within your community that I probably do not know. And here's what he said. I tell people about the gospel and people ask me, can we eat that gospel of yours? And you want to have this resounding, yes. Yes, you can. And you know when people can eat the gospel? Is when Christians walk in faith and love. And when Christians walk in faith and love, other people have hope. When Christians walk actively in their faith, and they love with self-sacrifice, it makes a difference in other people's lives, and hope grows. Hope exists in places where it did not exist before. And so when we look at the title of this series, Faith, Love, and Hope, we look at this and we think, oh, they're equal things. It's more like cause and effect, that we see what it is that's happening because of, uh, of faith and what God has done within us and what God has done in other people's lives before us, and they have impacted our lives, and they have loved us, and it gives us hope. And God calls us then in turn to walk in faith and to walk in self-sacrificing love. And other people will have hope. Can I eat that gospel of yours? The answer should be a resounding yes, because that is an answer of hope. If the people of faith would walk in love. James tells us that if anyone says to someone in need, go in peace and be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? See, he's talking about hope. Believe in Jesus and walk away. 
or believe in Jesus and self-sacrificingly love for that person, ah, now they may have hope. Hope is a powerful reality, but hope is not always easy to find. About a year ago, I had a student in one of my classes as we were talking about um, some of this idea, kind of on the fringes of this idea, and she said, sometimes people have to search for hope. And I thought, you've got it right. People are looking for it. People are wanting it. Maybe that's you. And what we find is that when we live in faith, in active pursuing faith, and when we love with self-sacrificing kind of service to other people, then what happens is hope grows. Hope grows within us, and hope especially grows in the people around us. So here's where we participate, right? This is what we get to do. Here's where we as Christians can either bring hope or take hope from people, one or the other. And our choice is whether we will steal hope or give hope to others. That's our choice. That's the place where we sit, in this spot where we can either be someone through our faith and through the love in which we live, are givers of hope and bringers of hope into other people's lives, or we are robbing it from them, or we are taking it from them by not walking in faith and by not walking in love. We have this opportunity, so let me give you uh, some really specific things here. Um, social media, right? Everybody's ripping on social media right now. Let me just give us a, a, a way of looking at it here for a second, because I use social media also. In social media, give hope through faith and love. Before you post anything, before you write anything, think about that. As a believer, how, am I, how is it that I can walk in faith in here and impart love to people in this moment through, through what I'm about to post? Okay? And so here's the check. Here, here's the way you can catch yourself. If what I am posting in this moment brings somebody um, a, a sense of love to their life and impacts them in a way that helps them to understand the gospel, that's an acceptable thing to post. And if I am ranting... And if I am cutting, and if I am diminishing somebody, if I'm categorizing somebody in a negative way, if I am hurting somebody else, don't. And, and, and if it's too hard not to do that, delete your social media. You can live without it. You really can. See, this is the practical place that we find ourselves is in this spot where we can actively walk in faith. And we can sacrificially love and in doing so, it impacts people's lives. How about your family? How about your coworkers? Can you imagine what it would look like? Imagine with me. Not just, it's not rhetorical, right? Imagine with me if I were to walk in love as a father, as a wife, as a mother, as a husband, as a child, as a neighbor, as an employee, as a boss, if I were to walk in love and faith, what would I be giving the people around me? If you did it consistently, you would be giving them hope. We become hope when people discover the grace of God through us. Hope grows when a person has a reason 
to be hopeful. And so where we stand is this. Be the reason for hope in someone else. We pray, Father, that in our actions in this moment, we pray that in the next few moments as we are walking in faith, as we are contemplating our actions and as we are contemplating the way we view people and as we are contemplating the way we live and the way we love, we pray, Father, there's an intentionality there that didn't exist before. We pray that you help us to walk from this place and be different, to walk in faith, to walk in love, and to be givers of hope. In the name of Jesus, we pray.